think it's great to have uh, Craig in, in, in our church, a part of our church, because he can remind us of the things that God is doing, um, not just here, but then around the world as well, and how we can participate in that. And so for those of you that you might be new or newer, maybe you haven't heard about our partnership with MANA before, um, we do support projects, like Craig said, in Panama and Nepal and in India. And what we do as a church is we take part of our um, regular giving and we set that aside to support some of those projects. But at the same time, we also encourage people individually uh, to be supportive of what God is doing around the world through those projects as well. And so when you go to our website and give, um, there are some different options on a um, little like drop-down menu, and one of those is for MANA. And so you can give specifically to our MANA projects in that way. And it's about, Craig, what is it, about like $40 a month to feed a kid for the month? 30 So just think about that. And it's not, I mean, I've been there and I've had some of the food. It's not bad. It's really good. It's amazing how they can take the $30 and stretch it to feed a kid um, for a month. And so just, I mean, it's really simple. Thirty About $30 a month, you can feed a kid for a month. Um, and so maybe that's something that, that God lays on your heart to do. And so you can, um, again, give through our website that way and, and be supportive. I know we do have some new folks who are here. And I know it's sometimes strange walking into a church for the very first time. Maybe you're not sure what to expect. And here's what I want you to know about us, that um, what you're going to experience here is something that's authentic. And so if you are just kind of exploring, checking things out, not really sure about what you believe. If there's ever anything that happens in a service um, or something that you hear about and you have questions, feel free to ask. Let us know. Um, I will be available after the service at our information area. I'll, I'll head that way um, when I'm finished this morning and would love to visit with you for a little bit. And so if you do have any questions or if there's anything that we can do for you, um, I would love to, to spend some time um, just chatting this morning with you. So let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll get into the message. Father, again, thanks for your goodness. We've, we've sung about that this morning, your grace and your love. You pursued us while we were lost in our sin. You sent your one and only son, Jesus, to lay down his life for us so that by faith in him we could know you. God, that gives us so much hope in this life. And I pray, Father, that you would as we spend some time in your word this morning, that you would guide us and teach us and encourage us today um, just to continue to persevere and follow hard after Jesus. Um, so I pray that everything that's done today would be done for your honor and glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. It was at the funeral of longtime United States Senator Bob Dole that one of his staff members read a poem titled The Dash. Here's what it said. I read of a man who stood to speak at a funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted, the first came, he noted first came the date of the birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between the years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent life on earth. And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash... What matters is how we live in love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel. Be less quick to anger and show appreciation more. 
and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before, if we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things that they say about how you spend your dash? You might find it odd, but I find that when I spend time in cemeteries, I often look at gravestones. I probably spend more time in cemeteries than the average person just by nature of doing funeral services, and I always consider it a privilege to be a part of those. And so while waiting for a service to get started, or maybe after it's ended and waiting for people to disperse back to their cars, I sometimes wander around a little bit and look at grave markers. And I notice the names and the dates. And I do find myself wondering about that dash. So there are times I'll notice a grave marker that has dates that are only separated by a few years or maybe a few decades. And I think about how short that dash is. I often find that I wonder what happened. I wonder if there was an illness or if there was an accident. But I wonder what was accomplished with that short dash, the lives that they touched, the people that they changed. There are other times in wandering through the cemetery, I'll notice uh, dates that are separated by many, many years, sometimes as many as a hundred years. And then I'll think to myself, man, I wonder about that dash. I wonder how the, how the world changed in all of those years and the things that they experienced. I wonder what they accomplished, the many people that they knew. I wonder what they did. And I think about their dash. Sometimes, too, and this is a little bit more rare, I will find a grave marker that has a name and then a date and a dash and a blank space where that next date goes. And when I see that, I think to myself, I mean, there's somebody who's really planning ahead. That's a really nice person. But then I think, oh, you know what? Their dash is still in progress. They're still living. And so they have the possibility, if they wanted to, to change what's represented in their dash. And so I wonder if they're making the most of that dash. But you know, that's where all of us are today. We may not have a literal gravestone in a cemetery somewhere, but the truth is we have our names, we have a date that signifies when we were born, and then a dash. But that dash is still in progress. And so the question for us today is, what are we going to do with the dash? How do we make the most of our dash? We're continuing this morning our series called The Room Where It Happened as we talk about some of the events and the teaching of Jesus in the upper room. I want you to remember what it was like. Put yourself in that place in the room where it happened on Thursday when Jesus gathered with his disciples to celebrate the Passover, the day before his death. As the disciples walked into the room, Jesus took off his outer garment, tied a towel around his waist, and got down on his knees and did something that was absolutely unheard of as he washed the feet of his disciples. It was there in that upper room that Jesus told the disciples that he was going to die. He predicted that one of them was going to betray him. And so we're going to continue to look at some of the words of Jesus in the upper room this morning 
as we look at John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. So if you've got a Bible, I would invite you to turn there. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. It's a really um, famous passage that takes place, some of the words of Jesus in the upper room. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, it'll be on the screen as I read it. Or if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your smartphone, you can follow along there. In addition to the scripture, the notes are there. And then um, several of our groups use the, the discussion questions that we put in there every week too. And so it's a great resource to think back through the message. But here's what we read in John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you, and if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. How do we make the most of our dash? You know, I want you to know that this morning's message is not, here's five things to do to reach all of your goals, or three things that you need to do to find fulfillment in life. It's a little bit different than that. I, I believe that making the most of our dash, we do so by being a follower of Jesus. But in the midst of being a follower of Jesus, it's not always easy. And so we're going to take a look at the words of Jesus in this section that I just read and talk about how they give us encouragement to keep going as we are followers of Jesus. How do we make the most of the dash? Number one, do not be afraid. That's the first thing that Jesus says in this section. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I think when we read this chapter, it's really easy for us to see those words in verse 1 and kind of gloss over them like they're just introductory material to get to the heart of what Jesus was talking about. But I do not believe that these words are just introductory material to get to something else. I think they're incredibly profound. Because when Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled or don't be afraid, he was pointing out something. Because I'm going to take you again to the room where it happened. When Jesus said those words, the disciples had every reason to be afraid. Jesus had told them that he was going to die. He had told them that one of his own was going to betray him. And in fact, we read that when the disciples heard that, they didn't know who Jesus was talking about to the point that each of them individually worried, thinking, well, maybe it's me. So they were each individually afraid that they were the ones who was going to betray Jesus. And then Jesus had just turned to their leader, Peter, and said that he would deny knowing him three times before the sun would come up. It wasn't Jesus saying to his disciples, you have nothing to be afraid of. He was saying to them, I know you have everything to be afraid of, but don't be. Don't let that fear hold you back. Trust God and trust me. If you want to make the most of your dash, don't be afraid. I wonder what you're afraid of. And hear me, I am not saying we have nothing to be afraid of because like the disciples, we have every reason to be afraid. 
Maybe what you're afraid of is failure. That fear of failure can be paralyzing so that you recognize that there is something that you need to do, maybe something that God wants you to do, but you're so afraid of failure that you don't take that step to do what God wants you to do. Sometimes it's easier for us to not try than it is to try and fail. It feels better. So maybe that fear holds you back. Maybe you're afraid of failure in work or as a parent. Maybe the thing that you fear is being alone. And so that fear keeps you in an unhealthy relationship. Or it keeps you from seeking to make an unhealthy relationship healthy for fear of maybe where that would lead. Maybe that fear keeps you from having conversations about faith with friends and family members because you're not sure how they're going to respond to that. Maybe the thing that you're afraid of is not living. I understand that. I read once that really most people aren't afraid of dying, they're just afraid of not living. We get so used to living. And taking that step into what comes next is a step into the unknown, and so we're just not really sure about that. Maybe the greatest fear that you have is in relation to your kids, seeing them struggle. I get that one too. I don't know that there's any worse pain than the pain of a parent seeing their child struggle. The truth is, as we look out at the world around us, there are all kinds of reasons to be afraid, but we need to hear the words of Jesus. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. The truth is that Jesus sees what we cannot see and he knows what we cannot know. In the midst of our fears, we can't let those things hold us back. We have to put our trust in him. How do we make the most of our dash? Number one, don't be afraid. Number two, know that something better is coming. Verse two, in my father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. Know that something better is coming. Okay, so most of you know I grew up in church. And so growing up in church, I learned a lot. Uh, there was a lot of experiences that I had as a kid that shaped my faith, most in good ways, some at times learned things or thought things that I think are maybe slightly incorrect now, um, but lots of things shaped my faith, lots of Bible stories and lessons that I heard growing up, but something else that shaped my faith was music. Maybe a lot still happens that, some of that happens in church today, but when I was a kid, there was a hymn that we used to sing we went to service on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday nights, and I feel like this was a Sunday night song. Sunday night hymn that said, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we will never more wonder, but we will walk on streets that are purest gold. And so I grew up knowing that when I get to heaven, I get to live in a mansion. And I was sure that my mansion was going to be bigger than all of my friends' mansions. Now, where does that come from? If you go back years ago, all we had was the King James Version, and the King James translation of that verse is, in my Father's house are many mansions. That's where the lyrics of that song comes from. 
Well, fast forward a little bit, got a little bit older into my teenage years, and we, we began to sing a different song. This song called Big House that was popularized by a band named Audio Adrenaline. And it says, there's a big house, my father's house, um, with lots and lots of room, a big, big table where, gosh, I'm getting the words wrong. Somebody help me. You guys know the song. Lots and lots of food, a, a big, big yard where we can play football, a big, big house. It's my father's house, right? And so I heard that as a teenager. I was like, man, heaven's going to be awesome because there is a never-ending flag football game and an unending buffet that's way better than Golden Corral because there's a five-star chef somewhere that's making that food. When Jesus said, in my father's house are many rooms, I don't know that that's what he was talking about. He was saying to his disciples, something better is coming. In my father's house are many rooms. He uses, John uses the word dwelling places. It could be translated that way. We talked about this word a little bit in our series, Come and See, on John chapter 1, because there's this word that shows up a lot in John's gospel. It is the word abide or remain. Like Jesus said, if you abide in me or remain in me, you will bear much fruit. It's the Greek word meno. The root of the word in my father's house are many rooms is the word meno. There are many dwelling places, abiding places. Jesus is saying to the disciples, hey, there is room for everyone. There are many dwelling places because something better is coming and one day we will be with God. We read that a little bit more in the book of Revelation at the end when Jesus says, behold, I'm making all things new. There's no more sickness, disease, death, or pain. And the dwelling place of men will be with God. See, that's secure for us because of the work of Jesus. We know that there are many dwelling places. There's room for all of us. We can all get there because of the work of Jesus for us. Something better is coming. And that's what helps us to persevere in the midst of the difficulties that we face. As Jesus is saying this to the disciples, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. He's recognizing, hey, I know that you guys have all the reason in the world to be afraid. And life is going to be hard, but in the midst of what comes, know that something better is coming. One day we will be together with the Father forever. How to make the most of the dash. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear hold you back. Know that something better is coming. And number three, trust that Jesus is coming back. In my father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I want to take you back to the room where it happened. I want you to feel the emotion of that moment. Jesus and the disciples are supposed to be celebrating the Passover meal. It was a meal. But there is so much anxiety that filled the room. They had food in front of them, but nobody was eating because their stomachs were just churning. And Jesus said to the disciples, I have to go away, but I'm coming back. 
says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again so that you can be where I am. Now, when Jesus said he was going away, he wasn't literally talking about you know, getting two by fours and framing walls for our eternal home. But what he's saying is that it's through his death and resurrection that he opens the doors so that we can spend eternity with him. And it's what gives us confidence. Jesus was going away, but there was a reason that he was going away. And when he accomplished what he was sent to do, he would come back so that we could be with him forever. There's a lot of uncertainty that we face in life, many things that we do not understand. But in the midst of that, we know that God has a plan. The things that happened to Jesus over the next couple of days, the suffering, the, the, the death, the humiliation, even the resurrection, all of that was a part of God's plan. It didn't just happen. It wasn't an accident. It was part of God's plan. God always has a plan, and God has a plan for each of us. We can be confident in that. How to make the most of the dash. Don't be afraid. Know that something better is coming. Trust that Jesus is coming back. And then finally, in whatever time you have left, just keep following. At the end of verse 4, Jesus says, You know the place where I'm going. And I love this section. Thomas says, Lord, we have no idea what you're talking about. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And I'm sure that what's in in Thomas's mind is all of the times that Jesus had gone away from the disciples, and every time that Jesus did, they got in trouble. And so he's thinking to himself, Jesus, it would be way better for us if you just stay here, or if you let us come with you. But if you have to go, you better tell us exactly where you're going and exactly how to get there, because we can't survive on our own. Jesus said, but Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we read that and we recognize the the spiritual nature of that. Um, But think about the significance for the disciples. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Most of the time we use that verse in an evangelistic sense. So how is it that you can enter into a relationship with God that lasts forever? How is it that you're saved? How is it that you can spend eternity in heaven? Jesus is the way. In him is the truth. And he is the one who provides life. And all of those things are true. That Jesus is the only way. That he accomplished what we could never do. We don't earn our salvation. We don't deserve it. It's freely given to us through the work of Jesus when he laid down his life for us on the cross. That's why our sins can be forgiven. So when we could do nothing, he accomplished everything. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But I don't think that Jesus was just talking about a one-time decision. I think he was telling the disciples, just keep following. Because it is the decision to trust Jesus as our Savior that puts us on a path, but it is the decision every single day to follow Jesus that helps us to find life. Jesus changes everything. And we're called to follow after him in everything. And there will be experiences in life that we do not understand. 
We will face challenging circumstances in life, and it will be hard. And in, in the midst of whatever comes, here's my encouragement to us, just keep following. When life gets hard, in the midst of our doubts, just keep following. In the midst of the fears, don't let those fears hold you back. Just keep following Jesus. I'm reminded of one day when the disciples were gathered around Jesus And he had just finished teaching, and many of the crowds just left and deserted. And Jesus turned to the disciples and said, are you going to go too? And they said, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. Where else are we going to go? Life doesn't always make sense. But Jesus has the words of eternal life. Where else are we going to go? Just Keep following. Something that I say almost every week in our service is that our goal, our vision is to see faith come alive for everyone who's a part of the table. What I mean by that is that our desire is to see faith guide everything that we do. Because it's really easy to view faith as this thing that gets us into heaven. Or that thing that's on a shelf when we need it. Or it's what we do when we show up at church on Sunday. But God's desire is far more for us than just that. But our faith is to guide everything that we do. And when we do that, that's what helps us to make the most of our dash. We make the most of our dash as we follow Jesus. As faith, our faith in Jesus guides everything and changes everything about us. So that our character becomes more like Jesus in everything that we do. So we live more like Jesus lived. And we love more like Jesus loved. And as we do that, as he transforms our hearts, that's when we can make the most of the life that God has given to us. See, right now, we have a name. And a date. It's followed by a dash. And one day that second dash is going to be filled in. And so as we think about however much time we have left on this earth, the question is, what are we going to do with the rest of our dash? Will you pray with me?